0: Hi, I'm Bill Osmolski with the McIver News Service, and welcome to the McIver Newsmakers Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Congressman Glenn Grothman, who is fresh off from another trip to the U.S. southern border. Congressman, first of all, thank you very much for making the time for us today.
1: Oh, glad to meet with you here in beautiful Sheboygan, Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit a uh, uh, little bit cooler probably than it is over there on the southern border.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> El Paso is not the place you want to be during the summer.
0: <laughs> so. I imagine most of our listeners have never been to the southern border, especially not during this crisis. So, could you start by just telling us how is the setup down there? I mean, like, where's the Border Patrol at on a typical day? What are they actually doing? What do you see when you go down there?
1: Well, there's nobody I have more respect for than the Border Patrol after being down there. You know, all of our law enforcement, police, sheriff's department, uh, jailers, uh, correctional officers I respect. But being down there again and again, you're out there all alone. Maybe one guy or gal has to bring in 50 people in one shot at night uh, who who they come across frequently escorted by the drug cartels, so a very difficult thing. They have the border divided into nine regions. I've been down there three times and been to three regions, therefore Laredo, El Paso and the Tucson sectors. Every time I'm down there I learn more and I don't see how you can really make up your mind or understand what we should do on immigration unless you spend time talking to the border patrol, talking to the customs agents, talking to ICE or the people in social services who are in charge of taking care of the folks down there
0: so given that we do not have a wall or a fence along the border there's nothing really funnel these people in a certain spot so can they come in pretty much anywhere
1: yes but most people come in at designated points and look for a border patrol agent because our asylum laws are so screwed up that if they even just turn themselves in they're going to be given a court date three or four years out they may be given a green card it's almost as good as being you know coming here legally and for that reason most people don't have to be tracked down. Now there are other people who come between the designated points of entry who are more sneaking across the border, and we don't know how many of those people there are. In May, when things were the worst, we had, depending on who was doing the counting, 150, 155,000 people processed coming across the border. And what they don't tell you, those are just the people processed and interviewed. There are other people who the Border Patrol doesn't see, and particularly in May, When you have a border patrol that's used to processing 30 or 40,000 people and they get 150,000 people, the border patrol is spending all their time doing paperwork. We were told in the El Paso sector there were times in May where nobody on the border patrol was guarding the border. So whatever numbers you hear, they are those numbers plus the number of people who snuck in. The people I talked to down there felt in the first six months of the year, in addition to the official figures, there were probably another 100,000 whose names we didn't catch who just came across.
0: It doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of incentives. I mean, so people are all lined up to get court dates, get food, clothing, medical assistance. doesn't seem like a lot of incentive to me to sneak across the border in the middle of the night. Are these just people that don't know what the deal is yet? or?
1: Well, this, these are the scary people, because you're absolutely right. If you have nothing wrong with you, if you aren't going to be turned around because of a criminal record or past problems, you might as well just check in. So our border patrol says we should be most concerned about the people sneaking across because they must have a problem. And if they are sneaking across, maybe they're you know, running drugs, maybe they're violent people, but these are particularly scary people. And usually, if you're crossing the border without turning yourself into a border patrol agent, you're usually escorted by the drug cartels. As a matter of fact, the cartels don't like it if people are not coming across the border with their help. These numbers are all approximate, but we are told that if for a Mexican to come here, the cartels are charging three thousand dollars a person, Central American five thousand a person person. If you're coming from Asia, you may be charged ten thousand a person to come across. We were told a story that once some people weren't members of the cartels tried to escort people across, they caught three people trying to do that, they skinned two alive, which is disgusting, partially skinned the other and sent them back and say, look, you tell people, if you're trying to escort people across the border without going through the cartels, this is what's gonna happen to you. It's a brutal business. And it's another reason, a humanitarian reason, why we have to get a handle on that border.
0: So when the border patrol agents in the middle of the night are on the border, and they come across a group of people like this that, you know, they're they're now going to take in. Is there any effort made to identify who the, who the ringleaders are, who the guides are? Oh, for? they
1: try that, and frequently the people run. Fre- frequently the ringleaders are the ones that run into the night. And it's very difficult to track them down. You know, in addition to the wall, we need a road. When I went down to the Tucson area, when I think of a desert, I think of sand and cactuses. But that desert is really rocks. So even if you try to drive a vehicle over there, you'd be going maybe or three miles an hour. I mean, it's really difficult. Uh, so that's another thing that we need there and why so many people get away.
0: Now, for the people that are processing in, what happens to them after they get processed in? Where does where does the Border Patrol take them? When do they get released? How does that all work?
1: Well, the first frustrating thing for the Border Patrol, and it's fine, we give them a, a medical checkup. They have to do so much the first 48 hours, so much the second. Uh, the first 72 hours, if something's wrong, they'll send them to the local hospital to the emergency room. Everywhere I talk to, the Border Patrol is frustrated that they feel that these folks are getting better uh, that these folks are getting better medical care than the native born. Most people in this country have a sizable deductible. There's no deductible for people who are coming here, you know, and it's actually frustrating for some of the citizens in El Paso that when we take the people to the emergency room there, you know, you go to the emergency room here, sometimes you gotta wait, you don't like it. There you might have to wait for 20 or 25 immigrants to go through processing before, uh, before you get a chance to go in. But again and again, it was emphasized to me. These immigrants get better medical care than the average American and I mean, we pay for it. So it's, it's something that frustrates the Border Patrol. Then what happens, uh, they, they try not to break up families. People don't break up families unless they either suspect or feel that the parents are not, or the people who purport to be the parents are not really the parents of those children. And then obviously that's a the problem. There was a pilot program there in which they broke out parents and children who they didn't think were the real children. They did a DNA test 15% of the time uh, they discovered that the children were not the children of the parents. Why is that? Because the cartels had educated people that it's easier to get in America if you have children. So if you don't have your own children, maybe buy somebody else's children. And again, I'm not sure how much they're going. We are told this for as little as $80 a child, you could find a child to walk across the border. Maybe they go back and escort somebody else across the border, but that's what's going on. Um, however, in May, there were 15,000 unaccompanied minors crossing the border. So when you hear about uh, families being broken up, most of the breaking up is done south of the border when children are coming across on on their own. Why? In part because when they come here, eventually they may be able to send for their parents uh, through family unification, if they can find some way to be a citizen, that sort of thing. Uh, As far as the unaccompanied minors, they put them in places that I think social services takes care of them. I thought they were very good. There were, I I happened to tour a women's facility outside Laredo, or a girls facility I might say, and there we had like two to a room. I think the room was bigger than your average college dorm room. Um, They're required by law to every day give them classes. Class in English, class in math, class in science, I think some other topics. So it was pretty good. There was a cage around there and the staff who was so hard working was frustrated that some Democrats said it was like a concentration camp, I guess because there was a cage around the whole facility. But look at it this way. If we have a 14 year old girl coming in this country under our custody, we can't let her just run away into the night in Laredo, Texas. We've got to to take care of her. But I thought it it was a very nice facility for these gals. Eventually, the families are sent north and they can only hold them for so long, so they wind up with a contract or an agreement with a nonprofit agency. Frequently something like Catholic Social Services, Um, they will contact Catholic Social Services, we have a family here of four people or whatever, can you find somewhere for them? It's up to Catholic Social Services or whatever other organization it is to find a plane ticket, to find a bus ticket, to send these people inland. They are then given a court date three or four years out, sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. One other thing I found out is I think some of the judges who make these determinations are just the type of liberal judges who will let anybody in. We were told that the El Paso sector, their judges down there, 90% of the time, they'll say, I do not find evidence that you are coming here because you're in danger if you return home. So these people are sent back or they try to send them back. Other judges from San Francisco or something, maybe 75% of the time, uh, they say, oh, yep, you're in danger at home, you can stay here. So you can see it's a real
0: mess. What happens with the people? So let's say you go to your court date, judge says, yeah, you're in danger at home, you can stay here. How long can you stay here for? Or is that just- I believe it's
1: open-ended problem. right now. Okay. Open-ended. Now, and by the way, you're given a green card to boot.
0: Ah, nice. So here's another thing, you're a member of Congress. Right. We were talking about, you know, one of those issues was the uh, health care on the border and they're flooding the local hospitals why don't we set funding aside to send big hospital units down there, you know, like military hospital units to. uh,
1: Well, they feel they're handling it right now. I mean, it's difficult, uh, but even during the rush, they felt they looked at everybody and sent somebody for more help. Now they make a big deal if somebody dies, but you gotta remember the volume of people coming across. When you have 150,000 people in one month, a lot of them coming from areas that are not well off or walking in here, uh, they really feel they did at that point. I think there are probably more since then, but at that point when I was there They said three people have passed away. They felt they were really doing a good job given the population. They had to deal with
0: Okay, so now that we've identified the problem What would be? The best way to handle this and what are the obstacles to handling it that way?
1: Well, Uh, President Trump tried to restrict this asylum treatment where all you have to do is say, I'm in danger if I return home. Uh, He tried to restrict it to people who are really coming here for asylum and not just because America is a wealthier country. And common sense will tell you, let's say we're in Sheboygan, Wisconsin right now. If you feel threatened in Sheboygan, Wisconsin because of a gang or something, where are you going to go? You're not going to go to Honduras, right? You're going to go maybe to Manitowoc or maybe to Fond du Lac. Maybe if you're really in danger, go to Illinois. So we have to clarify the asylum laws. You do not get asylum here, unless you're from a country next door, Mexico or Canada or something. We're not gonna have the whole world come here. And by the way, the whole world is coming here. Um, As far as customs, which gets a small fraction of the people that Border Patrol gets, they told us we were down there, in the Laredo sector anyway, their big three countries were Venezuela, Cuba, and Congo. Which indicates the word is out worldwide that you can come into the United States right now.
0: Once these people are are here, out in the, once they're they're here and they're collecting welfare, why what, what, why why do we provide welfare benefits to people that aren't U.S. citizens? How is that not an immediate requirement to collect them in the first well, place?
1: Well, President Trump is trying to crack down on this. He tried; should have done it two years ago. You see the degree to which to make these changes statutory are very difficult. You heard a lot of the Democrats saying, what do you mean you can't come here and be on welfare? What are you against poor people? I have nothing against poor people, but poor people should come here and work. I assume most of our ancestors didn't have a lot of money the day they got here, but they began to work or had somebody sponsor them. By the way, a huge thing that we we should focus on is why people are coming here and this frustrates the border patrol. There was times in the last 25 years where you had, or 30 years in which you had civil wars in Nicaragua, civil wars in Guatemala, real bad things. People weren't coming to the United States, why? Because they knew we had an immigration law that was gonna be enforced. It frustrates the border patrol that now that things are better than they were in 30 or 35 years ago in, in Guatemala, or better than they were in Nicaragua, that now is the time people are coming here. Why? Because they can. And the number of people crossing our border goes up and down as to whether the word is out worldwide that the U.S. is enforcing the law. I was told by a Border Patrol agent they were bored when Donald Trump got elected. Why? Because Donald Trump claimed he was going to do something about the immigration. So people said, oh, the United States has been immigration law. I'm not going to try to sneak across the border. Then it turns out he doesn't do so much. People come across. Then there are rumors he's going to build a wall. Oh, the United States is serious again. Things go down. They reached the peak of over 150,000 in May. I believe about that amount. Uh, now, since then, they've gone down because Donald Trump threatened Mexico with tariffs. Some Mexican military are on the southern border or on the Guatemala border. Things drop. But some people are still coming across, and our Border Patrol believes that is because the Mexican military sometimes turns a blind eye when it comes to dealing with the cartels. I had heard that even prior to President Trump's uh, announcement of possible tariffs against Mexico. Why? Well, we were told that along the Arizona border, if you saw a Mexican military vehicle pass, it would not be unusual within a couple hours to have a drug shipment coming across. In other words, the border patrol, not certain, but just suspected that the border that the Mexican military might be acting in cahoots with the border patrol. And they feel that same way again, that even though we're getting less immigrants, immigrants than in May, maybe the reason we're still getting the immigrants we are is because the drug cartels are so powerful that sometimes the Mexican military doesn't stand up to them.
0: Has President Trump had any success in implementing policies that, may, that, that help alleviate this problem?
1: Um, well, we finally got a few new judges down there, so we wouldn't have to be waiting three years, nowhere near as many judges as we wanted. Um, a frustrating thing is, while well, I get along with individual Democrats, the Democrat leadership clearly wants to do nothing and whether it comes, he's now finally has some money that he went in court for a wall. The wall will be helpful, but remember, most people just turn them under the asylum rules anyway. Nevertheless, the wall will send a message we're serious about our laws and will prevent some people from coming across. I wanna digress. I'm gonna wait and see what type of wall it is too. Talking to the Border Patrol, right now the wall, and there's a lot of wall down there, the wall being built was was built by President Bush, President Clinton, some under President Obama, perhaps replaced, is 16 to 18 feet high. The Border Patrol wants it 30 feet high. It won't keep out everything, but it's a deterrent to try to get over 30 feet. And furthermore, it takes time, which gives the Border Patrol a chance uh, to get over there. So that's one thing he's had success on. He hasn't had as much success on the asylum as we'd like him to have, um, uh, but like I said, and the other thing is we've got to deal with is birthright citizenship. The last time I was down there, and for some reason it didn't click, but I had a staff down there. It clicked with him. A very high percentage of the women who you see being processed are pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that's what you hear. You know that you know some woman's four or five months pregnant. Uh, maybe it's time to take a walk north. So, my baby can be born an American citizen. Or we also hear, you know, Chinese in particular flying into San Diego, flying into California, having a baby here. That's not the way to pick uh, future American citizens. I believe that of the 40 wealthiest countries in the world, or at least the sizable 40 of the wealthiest countries in the world, uh, the United States is one of only two countries that has what we call birthright citizenship. Just show up here, have a baby it's an american citizen of course once yeah. that child's an american citizen easier for the parents to stay there to take care of that that person eligible for all sorts of government benefits that sort of thing
0: yeah so now we're starting to go to the next issue where it's let's say you know someday we're able to actually get that border lockdown again what happens to the tens of millions of people that are here illegally without any documentation without any you know like, what do we do?
1: Well, I think you're going to have to begin to pick ones that obviously should be removed. Uh, I think anybody on public benefit should be removed. Anybody committing a crime should be removed. Uh, anybody who it's apparent is a parent, I'm not sure the American public has the stomach to say we're going to remove all these people because we don't know how many there are. You know, 15, 20, could be more than 20 million people here. But there are obviously a lot of people who should be removed. and. Uh, I think the American people would uh, insist on a path towards citizenship for some people. But uh, I, uh, obviously a lot of people who are here now should be removed and hopefully we'll have a president who's able to do that.
0: How do we deal with this situation where even in situations where there are clear laws being violated outside of just immigration laws? that you have these cities that still refuse to cooperate if the person... Horrible.
1: That's another problem with President Bush. I mean with with, uh, President Trump. He's got to put up with so many Americans who are intentionally undermining the law. Um, In in part, a congressman who outright are encouraging people to come here, and local officials who will not assist ICE, even alert the local illegal population if ICE is coming around to pick up uh, people who have broken the law. Um, And I I wanna point out, like I said, I have some Democrat friends here, but people have to realize how hard on the left the Democrats are on this issue. I mean, we are underfunding our border patrol, in Congress, we break what I think people back home would refer to the budget in 12 separate appropriation bills. The ones the Democrats are trying to give the smallest increase to is the one that should go up, and that is the Homeland Security. The, you know, That's the one that they're, they're squeezing. Um, as of now, in August, there are only two of the 12 bills that have not passed the House, one Homeland Security. The degree to which so many Democrats, including right here in Wisconsin, Um, You know, we've got sanctuary cities, which is just like an advertisement, the United States is not enforcing our immigration law. So across the board, we have uh, uh, big problems. And a lot of that problem, Tony Evers of this state. We had the Wisconsin National Guard flying over the border, helping identify people including drug smugglers. We pulled them off the border because of Tony Evers. I mean, this is not the governor of California or the governor of Massachusetts, this is the governor of Wisconsin. And when I talk to the border patrol, they like it when they get help from the states. Many states are helping down there. It doesn't cost the Wisconsin taxpayer anything. It's entirely paid for by the federal government. And not only are you preventing drug dealers from coming across, but it's humanitarian as well. I mentioned we do find people uh, you know, dying in the desert. And that's the type of thing that can be prevented by the National Guard flying over the border. But in Wisconsin, We've got a governor. Whatever we can do to roll out the red carpet and get as many people here as we can.
0: Now, speaking of Governor Evers, when he, when he made that decision, the official line was, there's no crisis on the border. Today, every Democrat is screaming there's a crisis on the border. Uh, how, how did that change?
1: Well, I think they just want to make President Trump look bad, and I'm, I'm sad to say that. When I was down there, uh, I think the second time, uh, I asked whether the Democrats ever came across the border, and they said Nancy Pelosi was down there, She didn't say any nice things, you know. She still was misleading as everything. But after she was down there, which I think would have been March or April, she no longer said it wasn't a crisis at the border because she took the time to see it for herself. It is a crisis at the border.
0: So, what do you think needs to happen next? What can happen next? What's realistic in happening next? And how is this going to play out? You know, over the next you know two or two or four years.
1: President Trump has to do a better job and. of articulating to the American public why things have to be done so Congress acts. Right now, Congress hasn't acted because sadly, I don't think the American citizen sees what a crisis we have and they are not putting pressure on Congress. I think President Trump has to articulate we are not anti-immigrant. We swear in 700,000 people a year. We have over four, I think near four million people here on work visas. So we're not anti-immigrant. People do come here if they take the time to do it right. Uh, So that's one thing he has to stress. He has to stress the huge problems that we go through at the border, uh, the fact that a lot of people are coming here who are not in dire straits at home. And by doing that, hopefully he can begin to put pressure on Congress. uh, Because right now, Congress is doing very little. I I think he can on his own issue an executive order on birthright citizenship. I think that would send a message. I think the more ho- high profile the building the wall is, will send a message and hopefully keep people at home as well.
0: When do you plan on going back?
1: Well, we're going back I think uh, the Tuesday after Labor Day. Um, I I think when we get back, uh, hopefully we can apply more pressure and do a better job of educating the public as far as what's going on. By the way, I'm a little disappointed with some other Republicans who haven't been outspoken on this issue. I try to talk about it to you today, I try to talk about it on radio programs as much as possible. I think later today, uh, where I'm here in Sheboygan, I'm going to be talking to a local civic group on Border Patrol. But too many Republicans have been quiet on the issue because they think it's controversial. We're not going to get the public on our side by being quiet on the issue.
0: Sounds good. Well, Congressman, thank you very much for joining us today on the Kyber Newsmakers podcast. And uh, hopefully I will be able to talk to you again next time you're in town.
1: Well, oh, very good. Look forward to it.